Previously on Just Cow in the City. I went to see the Back to the Future musical. It was awesome! Get lost, McFly. Yeah! Back to the Future was fucking nuts. It was insane. She's my French, but I gotta say, it was insane. And nobody ever asked, well, how did actually the two main characters meet? Check it out. The dork thinks he's gonna drown. You know, this knowledge. Okay, I can give it to you. I can rock! So I say to Justin Timberlake, I'm like, what's with you, man? That's because he's an ass He's always in trouble As if he was a third grader He's like Barney Rubble He seems pretty dumb But he always has fun Just cow in the city Pressure is low. Just cow in the city. He's dynamite. Podcast should be on the radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Just Cow in the City, September 12, 2023 edition. Welcome back to the summer. Just when you thought it was all done. Well, I think I had said this last week. Every time in September, there's always another hot spell. I was just kind of hoping to be done with these kind of clothing, as I've already told you. But I had to wear a short sleeve shirt to class, which I hate. It just doesn't seem very teacher-like. But uh, what are you going to do? It was like 100 degrees yesterday, and uh, I got to walk on campus. Get all sweaty. It's ridiculous. So what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Today it's a little bit it's a little bit cooler, but it's still very humid. But that'll all go away by next week, and then we'll get into the true fall weather that everybody loves or loves to hate, whatever the way it is. Hello, everybody! What a great week it's been. Love September. Last night had another class. Football season started. <laughs> Everybody's excited. The Lions pulled off a big win. Of course, I didn't have that. Um, I always bet on the Super Bowl champs the first game. They lost the Kansas City Chiefs. Fascinating stuff. Looks like it's going to be a good year. If the Lions are good, then that's good sign for the Jets. The Jets. And this comes out on September 12th, which means that's a day after September 11th when the New York Jets play the Buffalo Bills. And Dave Juskow eats a bunch of wings and has beer, <laughs> which is actually what I did last night, too. But I'm just saying, September 11th is going to be different because then, you know, watching a game I really care about. But again, all that being said, no one seems to care when I talk about football, which is why I shortened it on the Tuesday show. And only now we just pick five games because I can't help myself and love to talk about it. But finally figured out a way for it to just be kind of a blip instead of a half-hour lull <laughs> on the show, which only Dave Juskow likes. Meanwhile, when I say on the Tuesday show, 
on the Comedy Cellar Tuesday show at six o'clock every Tuesday. I was, you know, I'm trying to make it a little bit more exciting. So I made all these video bumpers and some more audio clips and a little bit more music to fill in and stuff. I hope it's a little more exciting. I'm just trying to make it more entertaining. I finally changed my background because it looks like there's going to be a lot of virtual stuff. I don't know what Mike is doing or what his story is, but if there's virtual stuff, you know, the the when I'm in the studio, I feel like it's exciting enough. There's it's very well lit. It's made for a podcast. But, you know, when I'm at home and you just see my clueless poster, my white walls and boxes, you know, I'm keeping for possibly eBaying something. I mean, that's just it's not good. So sometimes a background change and a little bit more of audio video can help the show a little bit along. So I don't know. I'm just trying to make it a little bit more entertaining because it looks like we're definitely here for the long haul, which, of course, I already knew anyway. But I've been doing that show for three years. It takes a lot of effort and time, you know. Everything I do, I think about myself, and we've talked about this before, and I think about the kind of personality I am, and, you know, I'm such a slacker, and yet I'm not a slacker, because I put so much time and effort into stuff, like this podcast, or the, the, the Tuesday show, or the Billy Joel show, I put so much time and effort in, as we've talked about before, when so many podcasters just turn on the mic and they don't give a shit and they don't prepare ahead of time or they have a producer that does it all for them and i really like to put the effort in and i put the exact same effort into my schoolwork. <laughs> it's just funny to say because oh gosh i was such a slacker in high school and college but where did i put my time and effort into that tv show a little tv show i had in college i put all my energy into that because that was exciting for me so i guess the things that turn you on you want to put in an effort. I mean, I think this is the problem with school and people that do poorly on tests and stuff. I mean, if the subject matter isn't interesting you, what are you going to do? As I was in school yesterday, I did get a sense from my class that they like me as a professor. They told me a little bit about their other professors, and I guess their other professors in the School of Communication don't seem to have the, the joy of teaching that I do. And remember, I was worried. I was like, these kids aren't getting it. They're, I'm wasting my time. But it looks like they do like it. And I think they can see my passion for teaching the class. And that's always inspiring. So I really do believe that next semester when I'm teaching something a little bit more, I don't want to say serious, but with a little bit more value, I feel like I'll have a lot more students and hopefully be that kind of professor that everybody would want to have in school. You know, it's like now thinking about it, maybe I would be a very good father because I certainly know what I wouldn't want in a father. <laughs> and uh, after having one, I really didn't care for. Maybe that would make me a good father. And certainly, I think one of the reasons I always wanted to be a teacher, even in high school, was like, now I know what I don't want in a teacher. There's got to be another way to get through to kids than these people that don't want to be here. Now, you can't blame somebody who doesn't want to be there. I guess if they're teaching high school or elementary school, something where teachers get no respect whatsoever. But, you know, it's way different teaching at a university and being a college professor. I mean, you, you automatically kind of garner respect instantaneously. And certainly we know we had no respect for our teachers in high school or junior high. Unless, for some reason, they were 
getting through to us and seemingly wanted to be there. And kids can smoke out that difference really quickly. They know. And I think a lot of teachers don't realize how smart. I mean, I love making fun of my students being idiots, but I know that's really not the case. They're very intuitive. Kids know. And, you know, I'm I'm like a kid, so <laughs> I understand how it is. And for some reason can completely remember how much I enjoyed some teachers. And we all feel that way. And how much, you know, we loved some teachers. And some of them were just absolutely awful. Is it necessary to be a mean teacher? Is it necessary? It's obviously you're just taking out your own shit on a kid. And that's why, you know, again, my drama teacher or theater teacher, whatever he was, was so terrific and was so friendly. He was very much like us, which became a problem later. But, you know, at the beginning to have kind of a, you know, the same sense of humor. We laughed at the same stuff. He taught me so much stuff that was funny that I didn't know was funny. It was really great to have somebody like that. So, again, I just... Hope I can do that with the kids. And I'll just tell you, you know, yesterday, and I, I I hope this isn't boring for people when I keep talking about class. It's just, I really get passionate about it. So get this, yesterday I was teaching them about the Star Trek and the episode in particular, The City on the Edge of Forever, which I highly recommend anybody to watch. This is one particular episode. I try I tried to make them watch Star Trek 4, but none of them were in, they just couldn't sit through it and I get that that's all right but this one episode was interesting we watched it in class and they actually seemed to really like it because I wasn't sure how it was going to end and then I talked to them about the writer Harlan Ellison and this guy uh, was a very controversial figure he hated the way Star Trek did his thing and he was angry and then I was teaching them about how being a writer sometimes means you're going to get your work edited and because it's this is an important life lesson and it's the way you take it <laughs> you kind of have to become numb to it and i explained my personal experience when i used to write for maxim magazine as i was trying to explain to them what maxim magazine was which was hilarious because i don't even know like can i tell them it's a men's magazine what does that mean It'd be like explaining, I'm like, I used to work for a thing called Playboy Magazine. Now, you probably never heard of this. Anyway, I was telling them how just the smallest thing can set you off and how I sent my article in as a paid reporter, and then it's not my baby anymore, and I just get paid as a reporter. And when the article came out, I was so excited. I bought multiple copies. I told everybody. And then when I read it, the last sentence in the article was changed, and the change was so disappointing and so stupid. And I understand why they wanted to change or whatever, but it was just so lackluster and so awful. I never wanted to tell anybody that I wrote it. I was embarrassed because the last line, because then it looks like I wrote that last line. And th that is not what you want. And so that little last line can incense somebody or the, or whatever you might change because then it looks like you wrote it. So, you know, this guy Harlan Ellison's really angry because they changed a couple things. Well, I don't want people to know I wrote it. And it's a good life lesson, obviously, because that's going to happen to you all the time with everything. 
in life, no matter what you do, but these kids want to be writers or directors or producers, and there's always going to be the person with money or higher up that's going to be like, here's what we're going to do. You hope you have a friend who you can maybe at least argue with, or you know, you could even have like, well, what do you want the line to be? I mean, that would be terrific, but usually when you're starting out, that's just not an option. So then I was telling them about Stephen King, and this got hilarious. This was really good. I got some laughs. <laughs> and I was explaining to them how angry he was at The Shining, the movie The Shining, how angry Stephen King was that how much he hates Stanley Kubrick. And they seemed to know who that was. <laughs> He's like, Stanley Kubrick is a hack. Stephen King hates Stanley Kubrick. And so he was so angry at the guy that wrote, you know, that directed 2001 and Full Metal Jacket and the kids had other examples. I'm like, yes, exactly right. He's so angry at this guy, one of these legendary directors in film history. You know, whether you like him or not, the guy had his own what you know you can see oh this is a stanley kubrick film like the way you can see oh this is a martin scorsese film or even as much as a john hughes film you know when you can get your own niche quentin tarantino you win right and and stephen king is angry at this guy he's like i i can do it better so i don't know if you remember he wrote his own or he wrote his own but he he produced his own shining miniseries on abc and I was telling him, and this is what he decided to do. Instead of using Jack Nicholson, who's obviously very angry about, and I was showing Jack Nicholson pictures and how serious, how great he is, and Batman as the Joker, or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, or you know the three Academy Awards he won. He chose Stephen King chose to use Stephen Weber from Wings, and then I had a picture of uh, Stephen Weber from Wings. Big laughs. <laughs> because they couldn't even believe it. They probably thought I was kidding. Because sometimes I forget that I wasn't kidding. Instead of Jack Nicholson, they used Steven Weber from Wings in the Shining miniseries, which I believe was in the 90s. Which wasn't awful, but, you know, come on. What are you doing? Really? Stanley Kubrick mixed up your vision so much you're that upset about it? But... That is the point of the story. Anyway, this guy, Harlan Ellison, who's a crazy, you know, he also wrote this Outer Limits episode in which the Terminator is directly ripped off from. James Cameron admitted it, and then he sued James Cameron, and they have to put a thing in the credit saying, acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison. Kind of like what we did on Billy Joel <laughs> A to Z this week, <laughs> speaking of which. And the best about this guy, there's two really great things, is that then he decided to also write an episode of The Flying Nun so he can get a date with Sally Field. Now, that's hilarious. And that one he used a different name for, Conwaiter Birdie or something like that. I don't know. But here's the best part, that I can make it about myself because that's what I like to do. He's in an episode of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Harlan Ellison, as himself, and I'm like, well, I'm on an episode of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. So I show the class Harlan Ellison and the thing because I also had a story about it later. And he's like, why don't we call it such and such, such? And I'm like, well, I got that same scene. And then I show them, and here is your teacher in the same show. It was really exciting. 
I think they liked it. I don't even know if they thought it was. They're like, is he joking? Is that really him? But I think they liked it. How could they not like that? That's cool. No? Doesn't that make it? And it's good to show that because it's like, oh, our teacher has some credits. He knows what he's talking about. He's been in the business. He does this kind of stuff. So that's good. Then I told them that I called up the showrunner of that show and I asked him, how did you get Harlan Ellison? And this guy, Mitch, was able to tell me uh, some really great stories about Harlan Ellison and how he and how he goes like, well, he wanted to do it, but he had to rewrite his entire dialogue. I'm like, classic. That's beautiful. Thank you. And did he get the date with Sally Field? He goes, oh, I don't know. I'll try and find out. I mean, the guy's dead now, but he might be able to find out somehow. But that was great stuff, I thought. I was really excited to teach it, and, and the class is much better this time. It's just like even the second week, you just get like kind of a bonding with everybody and it's great and gave out the first assignment. Um, anyway, one of my students bought in the new monster cereals for me. I guess we were discussing it. He goes, Hey, I'm going to bring it to you cause it stinks. And you know how I love this time of the year. They put out the cow chocolate target. Cow chocolate has always been my favorite cereal, but just not enough marshmallows. Remember last week I bought extra lucky charms marshmallows, but the cow chocolate marshmallows are chocolate marshmallows. So technically I have to buy two boxes of, Count chocolate so I can weed out the marshmallows in one and add them to the other because otherwise the oat part of the cereal is really boring. So anyway, you know, they've had Count chocolate, Frankenberry, Booberry, and some of you might remember, and it's also depicted in the movie Pulp Fiction, Fruit Brute, which was a werewolf cereal where you get a ghost, the Dracula, Frankenstein, and oh, and then they had Yummy Mummy too. That's right. I think they changed Fruit Brute to Yummy Mummy. So they did Werewolf, uh, Vampire, Frankenstein, Mummy, and a Ghost. And now, actually, I don't know what she is, but they call her Carmella Creeper. It's a brand new monster cereal. It's green. It's green apple. It is apple flavored with monster marshmallows. So we tried it in class uh, yesterday. Nobody liked it. And I'm like, you know, this isn't that bad. And for some reason, I couldn't sleep last night and I had a bowl of it. <laughs> I took a picture of the box for the bonus show. Boy, that's some bonus show you're paying for, huh? Hey, what does he do on that bonus show? He shows us like boxes of cereal, things like that, that he's eating. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, you love it. You'd be like, what? How old are you? Why are you eating this cereal? But I had a thing of it last night. It was actually, I put the extra Lucky Charms marshmallows in. Uh, to make it 10 times better. Carmella Creeper. It's a girl. I don't know what she is. Maybe she's like a, I don't know, a ghoul of some sort. So like, more like it reminded me of Wednesday Adams. But boy, they, well, they haven't had a new monster cereal in over 30 years. It was pretty exciting. I will not eat Pooh Berry. I don't like it. But I will mix the Count Chocolate and the Frankenberry. I'll do that. And I go through phases, as you know, where I love having cereal, and then I go through phases where I never have cereal, and then, but I make it as a dessert. I never used to have it for breakfast because usually milk makes my stomach hurt, which is why I'll kick off talking about Friday when we left you. I was going to see a Broadway show called Kimberly Akimbo. I mean, I did go to see a Broadway show called Kimberly Akimbo. This is no Back to the Future. I'm just telling you, it's complete, you know, it's, Rather disappointing seeing anything else after seeing Back to the Future. I was taking uh, my friend Amanda, but I, you know, I just again, I just want to see these shows, so I'm just always finding somebody to go with. 
Again, Hannah, you want to come to town? I'll take. It'll be great. I'll take you to these shows. <laughs> it'll be much better. Anyway, here's the show. Kimberly Akimbo. Here's the premise for the fucking show. If you believe this, it is a musical about a girl who has a degenerative disease, where she is technically 16, but looks and feels 63. Or something like that, 60, whatever it is. I think the actress playing her is 63. So she's technically the mentality of a high school kid, but she's in a 63-year-old body and she looks 60. And that is the fun premise (laughs) of Kimberly Akimbo, which technically is, after seeing it, the worst name for a play ever. And quite frankly, the Kimberly Akimbo part and how they come up with that name is just goddamn stupid. You know, a name sometimes is a key to everything. And Kimberly Akimbo's stupid. And it's like you hear the bedwetter. Well, I guess we know what that's about. Even Back to the Future. Remember how great that was? Back to the Future, when you first heard it. Again, it's not... If you didn't even know the plot, wouldn't you go see a movie called Back to the Future? Because no one had ever done it before. Back to the Future, what does that mean? Even the title says, I can't wait to see this film. Then you find out what it's about, and you're like, now I'm Warren. Then you find out Michael J. Fox is in, and you're like, what? And more on that in a second. Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future, of course. It's always stuff to say about Back to the Future. Anyway, I go, I'm walking down, and I guess I timed it wrong. You know, I'm always like, I'm always early. I'm always early, so let me leave a little later. I know I'm going to walk there. I don't want to get sweated up. It wasn't that hot. The girl got there early, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So I had to actually take a city bike from around Park Avenue, and all I could get was a regular city bike. I haven't taken a regular non-electric city bike in a long time. And I'd forgotten. I'm like, well, this is all flat land. Then I should be able to get there soon. Oh, my God. I was like huffing and puffing. I'm like, oh, oh no. (laughs) I forgot how to ride a bike, a regular bike. The electric is so easy. That's what I'm saying. I don't even know if you get any exercise on that electric bike. I don't know. But, boy, did I get exercise. And, of course, now I'm all sweated up. And then I got hot coffee. And what I'm saying, the reason I get hot coffee is because even though it's hot is because... Ice coffee doesn't usually work for me as a method of waking up and wanting to use coffee for what it's for as a perking up, watching a show, trying not to fall asleep item. A cold coffee does not work that way for me, let alone all the milk they put in it just never sits well for me, and I usually get a stomach ache. I'm obviously lactose intolerant, and that's why I never have cereal in the morning usually, but I have... Uh, Organic milk, which lasts forever. I mean, I'll tell you, that's the best milk to buy if you use milk only for coffee. It lasts forever. It's terrific. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's different kind of lactose because I'm not feeling a stomach ache or anything. So I don't know. But yeah, iced coffee always gives me a stomach ache. So having hot coffee in the middle of the summer is ridiculous, but it works. So then I'm bringing the little cup of coffee with me as I'm walking and I'm sweating and I can't stop sweating and I'm embarrassed, of course. But obviously that goes away after a while. But I got to have a little couple of sips of coffee before going into the theater all the time because not only is it a fun tradition, but uh, it works and it keeps me up. And I haven't been falling asleep in the theater lately. But that's because I've been going on Fridays where I can sleep a little later 
you know, if I had to wake up at 5.30 in the morning, go to work, and then go see a show, I don't know. But Fridays are my day off, so that's a perfect day to go. Well, anyway, this show was all right. It, it's cute. It's depressing. It's funny. It's got everything. It's very much like Sarah's show. In fact, Sarah said, well, I think the reason my show is getting delayed is because this show is from the same theater company, which is the Atlantic Theater Company, and I think it's a little similar, which it is. But it's not similar in the sense, again, I couldn't remember one song from that show, not one. I'm not saying that Sarah's show is great. I mean, I am saying it, and I, you know I go back and forth. I'm like, do I only like it because she's my friend? But no, that would not be the case. I wouldn't have seen it this many times and still sing songs from it. It really is good. You know I see a lot of shows. So this show, as nice as it is, and again, you know, you're paying $250 a ticket. You're saying, is it $250 good? Would I even recommend it to people? I don't think so. I mean, if you have money and you're, you've seen everything else, then yeah, you go see that one. But that's how it is. You don't leave the theater again singing any of the songs, any of them. You forget it as soon as you leave. Besides the, you know, the kind of ending, which is all right. But otherwise, it, um, you know, you're just not leaving singing the songs. And of course, you know, they do that shit that I absolutely hate where they're like, not the Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff where like every song goes into the next and there's no buttons, as we call them, to know when the song is over. They do all those things where they're just talking and it, but, but it's singing like, but maybe I should have done that. Maybe I'll know better next time. But is it even true? If I'm in high school and I know that, you know, and it's like, I'm like, this is boring. This is a stupid way to do a musical. I would rather you just stop, you know, talk like a person and then have your songs. I don't need everything to be sung just because it's a musical. And for some reason, you couldn't come up with a better song. So you're putting this into where it doesn't need to be. So that kind of shit drives me nuts. Yeah, that just always bothers me. I mean, I think Sarah actually has that in one part of her musical, but it actually makes sense. But again, I don't know. Maybe I just, I shouldn't be the one to say. Although everybody I know so much said it was good. So I, I'm going to stop talking about that now. But yeah, I don't know whether I'd recommend it. But I will say, when I went out with this girl, Amanda, and we went out for drinks to this bar afterwards for a couple hours, she goes, oh no, let me get this. You pay for the tickets. And I go, oh, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Now that's a, a quote, gentleman. She gets it. That's nice, right? That's a, and and again, I would be like, no, it's all right. And she goes, no, 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 I insist. So I mean, that's that's I'm just that's that's what you do. That's all you ask of somebody. Again, to make the offer. That's and that seems like a fair trade. Again, I don't know what this is, but let's just say we're friends. That's what you do. I bought the tickets. Just buy me two drinks. That's it. I, I try not to be so crazy about it and so i don't know i guess jewish about it but you know what i'm saying there's got to be some sort of give and take dear make-a-wish foundation of new jersey hello and how are you my name is kimberly lavaco please see the attached documentation informing you of my condition and life expectancy 
like I meet all your qualifications, so lucky me. I see on the form that you ask for three wishes. You're like a genie. Three wishes. Except you're only going to grant one of them. Frowny face. I bet you pick whatever's cheapest. Ha <laughs> ha. Smiley face. Anyway, what I was talking about, Michael J. Fox, before, I don't know whether you guys have seen the movie The Flash, which I was really looking forward to. I finally just watched it this weekend. I was really looking forward to it. Again, it's like three hours long, so I think I watched it in parts, even though I was entertained the entire time. The lead actor, Ezra, whatever his name is, uh, it's it's an annoying film because you know there's not going to be a sequel because the actor they got is an idiot and he's been banned from movies and television. Like, he's, he's a douchebag. I, I, I think he's raped some women. It's that bad where DC got screwed again. Like, you know, if it was good, maybe there's a chance. And the guy didn't do a horrible job. But it's like now there just can't be another one. No one wants to work with him. That's why the movie didn't do well, didn't make money in the theaters. It's a disaster. But it certainly wasn't awful. I didn't think it was awful. The... My kids, who I asked, said they didn't like it. But we all agree that Michael Keaton, as Batman, who's in it, is fantastic. And that's the only reason I was, like, all in on it. Because, again, this stupid movie, you know, oh, my God. He, you know, how many times are we going to see the you know a superhero lose their powers, right? So annoying. And then he's always going back to save his mother. The whole TV show's based on that. This is based on I mean, it's like I'm like, I'm done with that. Can we just have a flash adventure that's something new? My God. But whatever. There's a lot of fun in it. There's a lot of interesting things like Michael Keaton and everything, which is great. It's not a surprise it's been told that he's in it, which is way cool. Great ending, actually. You know, a lot of different universes with different Supermans that you know on it. So and I don't want to spoil, spoil, even though I should, because I can't imagine anybody would watch it. Because I can't recommend that either. But the best part was that The Flash, you know, goes back in time. It's a time travel movie. He goes back in time. Well, it's a timeline movie. He goes back in time to save his mother. And that provides different repercussions in the universe. You know, like, like he's on a different timeline. So I guess he's in the present yeah, he must be in the present, but in a different timeline because he saved his mother. So in this timeline, the Flash is rooming with a bunch of guys and they're talking about Back to the Future. And he goes, yeah, it's like with Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future. They're like, what are you talking about? You mean Eric Stoltz? And they're like, what? You know, Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. No, no, no. Michael J. Fox is in Back to the Future. Dude, I don't know what you're talking. You mean the kid from Family Ties? Yeah. No, 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 no. Eric Stoltz is in Back to the Future. So that was kind of great and relevant to everything I'm teaching, and it was cool, the timeline. I mean, that's kind of great that the new timeline they made doesn't have Michael J., uh, Michael J. Fox replace Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. Of course, if you know, everybody seems to know the story that Eric Stoltz made half of the film of Back to the Future until Spielberg said, it's not working, let's get some more money and shoot it again, which is even more amazing. More amazing that Eric Stoltz had a career after that because, that oh, my God, he must have felt horrible. And they just waited for Michael J. Fox to uh, work a deal out and then, in turn, giving him Parkinson's. I hope you're all happy with yourself, Spielberg. 
Well, actually, it wasn't Spielberg's photos. It was this guy, Gary David Goldberg. And if he's still alive, this Gary David Goldberg, Michael J. Fox should go and take up all whatever muster he can and punch him in the face because I believe he gave him Parkinson's. That's a whole other story. What the hell is this? Breakfast. Would you sleep in your clothes again last night? Yeah. I. Yeah, what, what are you wearing, Dave? Marty. I always wear a suit to the office. But on Saturday, you know, I went to that show out in Jersey and uh, I was performing with Dan Natterman and I drove him to the thing. I like Dan a lot. He's a good man. He's a strange guy. And so am I. We had a nice time. In fact, we had a nice time. We drive into the place. I say, I always stop at Dunkin Donuts to get a cup of coffee before the show. Right. This is what I do. And then I say, hey, we can hang out in the parking lot for a little bit because the show's not for a while. And he goes, hey, man, what am I doing in a parking lot on Saturday night? Conscious choice, man. Yeah, he was doing the line from Say Anything. I was pretty happy about Dan Natterman knowing the stuff that makes me happy. <laughs> Conscious choice. Conscious choice, dude. So what are you guys doing at a, a what is it, Suds and, a gas and sip Saturday night? Not a girl in sight. Conscious choice, dude. Conscious choice. So then we did the show, and it was good. I was in a great mood. I think I did really well, you know, so well enough that I'm like, damn it, I wish I could perform more often. And Dan was, he killed it. I actually have, I took a little bit of audio so you could see people laughing. So there's these girls in the back that were laughing so hard. It was really great to see him kill like that. He went on for 20 minutes. He probably had a new 15 minutes I hadn't heard before. He's such an interesting act because you just don't see people like him. I actually texted Noam, the owner of the cellar, who he does who he does the comedy cellar live from the table show. You know, like they comedy cellar has three, you know, technical podcasts. My my show, live from the cellar and live from America. And I called Noam, and you know, him and Natterman have been friends for years. I said, you know, Noam, Natterman killed it tonight. We we got to get this kid a special. We got to do something because nobody he's not going to do it himself, and nobody's going to mention it. I think we need to get him a special because it was so good. He was so good. And there's so many specials with comics just talking about the same stuff over and over, and they put it different ways, and some of them are great. But, you know, there's so much crap out there, and here's a guy that's really fresh and interesting, and, you know, I think for a half hour he'd be unbelievable because he was great for 20 minutes, and nobody wanted him to get off. He had that uh, one joke was that he uh, talks about that he, he goes crazy when people correct themselves in a text he's like i'll 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 be in in a minute i'm I'm gonna meet you at the restaurant i'll be in in a minute i'm just parking the cat and he's like you know do i really need somebody to (laughs) you know to correct themselves uh you know like i'm like well i don't know this is not a lot of cat parking in this time this is a section of the city i don't know whatever he was saying it was uh, it was really funny and really interesting and we were all laughing really hard but the guy, you know, he doesn't he doesn't do enough for himself, you know. He he doesn't tour. 
He doesn't really go out of the city very much. And he should, because he's great. And, you know, I, I mean, I started this guy out. I forget sometimes. I was his mentor. When I first met him, I thought he was great. And I took him under my wing at Caroline's. even wrote a song about him called Natterman's Down, because when I left Caroline's, I was upset that I left him there. But he did all right for himself, and he got to uh, a good place. And, of course, he was, you know, people do like him. He was premiered on Crashing a lot. So that was good. So there's a place in the world for Dan Natterman, and there's got to be a place for good comics. You know, I just hope Nick's special's doing good. And then I came up with this idea, and I'm like, I should do a special for when I got that email that Noam, the owner of The Cellar, sent me about the first show I did at The Cellar, where they, they were so happy to see, I don't want to use the word older, but more elder statesmen in comedy. He was talking about Nick Griffin. He was talking about Marina. He was talking about Dan. They, they mentioned Alon, but in a different way. You know, he's still got to make his bones in this business. I don't remember who the other person we had on, but I think they were mentioned too. And I'm like, you know what? I keep seeing on Showtime they have women of a certain age. Why don't I do a show for not men of a certain age, but call it something or, you know, we're still here. Time for, you know, it'd be Natterman, Nick Griffin, Marina. And Marina's in a different place than those two in a way. In a way. She's having a lot of trouble with the strike. I'm just saying to, you know, form attention to, there's a whole bunch of, you know, guys that are getting a little passed over because they're a little older, but there's definitely an audience for them and myself, maybe, but I'm not including myself in that thing. I mean, I'd love to host it, but it'd probably be best if somebody else hosted. it. But, you know, I'm thinking about going to Nome and telling him, like, look, why don't we tape a special and try and sell it? I don't know. I just want to help people, you know? Because when you see somebody doing that well, you, you just want them to get noticed. You know, you really used to feel that way about Olga in a way. I'm like, God, people got to recognize her. She's so great. But like Natterman, she gets in her own way in a, in a completely different way. Obviously, Dan does. He doesn't. He's not a big drunk. But Olga should be more popular. You should know who she is by now because she's got a great act, like we've always said, and a great backstory. And she gets in her own way. Dan is unfortunately the same way in a, in a different kind of way. He just doesn't go harder, but he has trouble in social situations. The fact that he gets up on stage at all is kind of a miracle because he's not a social person. And quite frankly, to be a stand-up comic, you, you kind of have to be a, a social person just to even make a phone call and say, I'd like to get on your stage. It takes a lot of guts. I was thinking about that when I was going to school. I'm like, you know, this is tough getting up in front of these kids once a week. And then there's teachers that do it every day. You really are going in front of an audience every day for school. You know, you don't think of it that way, but it is. So I get just as nervous for a stand-up show as I would for teaching the class. But stand-up comedy completely has helped me become a teacher of some sort. I, that makes perfect sense, No. Lloyd, man, no babe is worth it. No, no. Listen, hang with us, man. We'll teach you Bibles for right, the truth. Right. Lloyd, man, you can't even trust them, man. Because right, you know what it's man. about? They spend your money and they tell their friends everything, everything. man. It's about economics. That's valid, man. They tell them everything, That's man. Valid. All you gotta do is find a girl who looks just like her, nail her, and then, right. and then dump her, man. Dump her, Get her man. off your mind. Knows we're right. Your only mistake is that you didn't dump her first. What? Diane Court is a show pony. You need a stallion, my friend. Walk with us and you walk tall. Walk tall, my man. Bitches, man. 
You didn't give that kid a comp. Hey, dude, I better bail. All right, man. See you later. Later for you, Luke. I got a question. You guys know so much about women. How come you're here at like a gas and sip on a Saturday night, completely alone, drinking beers, no women anywhere? By choice, man. That's yeah, right, man. It's a conscious choice. choice. It's a choice, man. I'm choosing to be here. I want to be here, man. I'm choosing it. Dude, where'd she dump you, man? What car? Ah, your car? Man, dissed in the oh, mouth. Oh, heinous. It is your castle, man. You know, on Monday I had the day off because it was uh, Labor Day. I'm very excited. And I'm like, well, you know what? I think I'll make lunch plans because that's something I can never do. And I made lunch plans with my friend Lara. And I said, yeah, let's let's do let's have lunch or brunch or something, something I can never do because I'm never around Saturdays and Sundays. So you know, we just go to the diner, which we did. And I, I thought getting out of the house would be absolutely brilliant, even though I was, I'm like, well, I have a lot of work to do, even though it's my day off. I don't want to fool around, just mostly because of the class and everything. So I went out with her, and we had a really nice time together. And then I walked home, and it was really hot. But that's all right, too, because that's part of it. You know, I biked down, walked home, get a little exercise. Because I don't know, if, after Saturday, I didn't leave the house on Sunday at all. Or did, oh, maybe I went out for coffee, but I don't remember. And then I met her. And then I came home, because what I knew I needed to do was open my new computer that only cost $200. So hopefully, not only could I show a movie on it from Paramount+, Plus which was the, the, the episode of Star Trek, but hopefully the Zoom will be good for Bob, uh, Bob Gale, who's coming in in two weeks. That was the key to getting the new computer. And this computer was giving me so much trouble that I called the company HP. I called Amazon. I'm like, this computer blows. And then, you know, you're, I'm like, well, I guess that's why it's $200. But then all of a sudden it just fixed itself somehow. It was like setting it up that ruined it for some reason. And then, and then it worked fine. So I used it yesterday, and it's it's fine. It was just, you know, it's one of those things. You're like, oh, I got to do this, and this won't be, it won't be bad. You know, you open a new computer or something, and it just takes time. You gotta have patience. And when something doesn't work, it drives you nuts. And it was taking way too long, and I had too much to get to for this, and it was driving me crazy. Just even setting up the internet, you know, I'm like, listen, I don't want Microsoft Edge. It's stupid. Everybody wants Chrome. And don't give me Bing. What the fuck is that? Do you know that's the search engine I think at my work? Bing? I'm like, are you guys out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you stick with Chrome, you stick with Google. You stick with the classics. I just saw a commercial for another search engine they're trying to plug. I'm like, no, no, no. Stick with the classics. You're better off that way until proven otherwise, right? So I finally got this thing done and it was, and then I was trying to fix my Paramount Plus, you know, thank God I switched my credit cards, right? So now I see what's on it and they're like, hey, your Paramount Plus didn't go through. First of all, had no idea again, paying so much money. What was it? 17, like Netflix. And I'm like, no, I want Paramount Plus. So I thought because I have Showtime, I could get Paramount Plus for free. And they're like, oh no, you have Showtime with your cable provider, so you can't have it. I mean, I had all these chats, you know, like chat bots, but then I got a live person. I'm like, what do you mean I can't have it? I have Showtime. I pay for Showtime. I have a Showtime account. Yeah, but it doesn't work that way. I'm like, why doesn't it work that way? That means I got to pay for Paramount Plus separately. It turns out, though, apparently I was paying through Paramount Plus through Amazon Prime for some reason. 
I don't know how that's how it started. So I couldn't upgrade my Paramount Plus account until I get rid of the Amazon Prime account. I mean, it's such a disaster and mess, but I'm glad I found all this out by just getting rid of the credit card all this stuff was being charged to. So that's still a smart move, finding out all this stuff that's been you know, monthly charged to my account that you never know about. You know, everybody should make a clean swipe of their bank every 10 years or something. Get rid of the crap. So thank God the whatever I paid for lasted until I think today I just made it so I could show the thing in class. And then I got to, you know, I'm going to sign up with the one with ads for six bucks because fuck that, right? Yeah, I can't. I mean, I already paid $250 for cable. And I and then I said, can you give me a discount on my cable? I'm a teacher and a discount that they're like, no. And I'm like, but I'll, I'll just cut the cord then. And then you'll be out of all your money. I'm like, we don't care. You, you can't get a discount. I cannot get rid of all my cable channels. It's driving me crazy. I use them every day. I mean, at least I use them every day. Like, remember how I said, I, I'm not using Netflix anymore, so I'm not going to get it until I need it. And But the cable channels, I scroll through that shit to see what's on every day. You know, HBO, Max, Showtime, MGM+. It, it all comes with the package I have, Epics. And I scroll through to see what movies are on every day so I can at least maybe tape something that I've always wanted to see, like I saw Street Smart last week, I think I told you, Christopher Reeve, or what I've been watching this week in pieces before I go to work, My Best Friend's Wedding with Julia Roberts. Yeah, I'm way behind. I think it's 1997. A very young Cameron Diaz. What's that guy's name? Dermot Mulrooney, I, I think. I don't know. I think that's his name, uh, is it Orlando Bloom? I don't know. Very pretty people. And Julia Roberts. Now, I've always wanted to see this movie because not only did it make a lot of money back 20 years ago or 30 years ago, Jesus Christ, but this was the movie they all said, you know, that Julia Roberts made her comeback. I, You know, you probably don't remember, but after Pretty Woman, she, you know, was pretty huge and I guess did a couple of movies. And then in 1993, said, I'm taking a break and she took a break for four years which is really risky you've got to be on top to do that especially for a woman and she came back four years later and chose this movie and to play the villain in the movie which is a really interesting choice and she just killed it and obviously we know what happened after that three four years later she wins an oscar and everything and it's pretty impressive so I've always wanted to see the movie and what the, the hubbub was about. And uh, it's a horrible film. Absolutely awful. But maybe back in 1997, it wasn't that awful. But it's, uh, you know, it's not very good. I'm not enjoying it. Uh, again, I can tell when I'm enjoying something because then I'm like, you know what? Let me just finish watching it. And it's definitely not happening. And maybe it will if I get further in. But I'm already an hour in and I'm like, meh. But I got to see how it ends. But I'm enjoying this. I just have it on the DVR. I saw it on cable. I'm like, I'm going to record this. I'm going to watch it uh, when I wake up in the morning on Mondays and Tuesdays for 15 minutes, and then I'm going to move on. And that is what cable is good for, because when you're going 
through like everybody else, like the rest of the world does. And you're going through all the apps and you're like, I see this movie and see, but and, so, and, and again, sometimes I'm just eating, I'm having dinner and I just want something in the middle, like the matrix or something that's not going to gross me out. Notting Hill. I don't know. Just put it on in the background while I'm eating. And I guess I can do that again with the apps and put it in the middle, but uh, that's some old people shit, man, that I just can't stop. I can't stop it. I don't know why. Like I said, I use it every day, but it's so expensive. And I'm trying to work things out, as you know, with everything, all my finance, trying to get it together, trying to become a man. Meanwhile, my credit rating stinks. You know, I'm trying to change all my... uh, Everything I, you know, the credit cards and the debt, I'm going through a consolidation thing. So, you know, I knew my credit was going to stink for a period of time. It's so bad right now, but, you know, it'll fix itself in like six months. But right now, I'm so nervous. So I'm going to Los Angeles in a month. Still going to try and keep the podcast going for like a week. And then I realized, I wonder if I can rent a car. I got rid of all my credit cards. I just thought about it. But thank God I thought about it way in advance so I can, you know, let well, let's see what happens. I got my flight. I can't believe I'm going. I know this is big news. I've been to California in like five years. And I'm I'm just going at the first week in October. I'm pretty much going to leave from class. I got it all figured out. And then come back for class. Isn't that exciting? But that's the big plan. And but then I was like, and, and then I wasn't even sure if I was going to rent a car. I'm like, well, I've heard people aren't renting cars anymore; they're just Ubering back and forth. But I'm staying in Pasadena, and doing all my hanging mostly in either Santa Monica or Los Angeles. So I'm pretty sure it'll all equal out to if a rental car costs five hundred dollars for the week, that's probably what all the Ubers would cost if you go to and from the airport, from the airport to Pasadena and back. That's probably two hundred fifty dollars right there. And then you're talking about the rest of the week. But then I thought maybe I could, they have like a car share there, an electric car share in LA, not just a bike share or a scooter share, a car share. So I looked that up, but it doesn't go anywhere where I need it to be. And then I even looked at the subway transportation system, which is new there. And I can actually go from Pasadena to Santa Monica by train. And I thought that'd be kind of fun, but it's like, I don't like doing that here. Why would I want to do it on vacation, quote vacation? Well, it is vacation, I guess. God, I never think of a vacation because I, I don't like going to Los Angeles as a vacation. It's not a vacation, but I usually treat it like a vacation because, you know, I just, because um, I sometimes I do relax and just be like, well, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to work. And the funny thing is, I was like, well, I could work. And everybody's like, No. What do you do? You have so many days. Take them off. But they're so funny. I, I, I love trying to fit in work while I'm on vacation. I'm, I'm an idiot. What's the matter with me? No one else cares. How do you think the preseason went? Uh, it went pretty good, you know. Yeah. Well, look, man, you know the odds are stacked against you from the, from the jump, man. You did a lot of good things this camp. Yes, we sir. appreciate your hard work. Just want to let you know, man, you're a New York Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the team, brother. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I had a long 20-minute drive back, man. Oh, I know. I know. So that's what I was trying to figure out on 
Wednesday, all this trip, this new stuff. Also, and so then on Wednesday during the afternoon, I watched the last episode. I think it's the last episode of Hard Knocks, as we talk about every week on the show, because it's been so much fun. And this week was no exception. No exception. They got nothing to show this week because, you know, there's, there was no game. There's no exhibition game. They're just firing up for the new season, and that's when the show ends. So the first thing they do is really good, moving, makes you smile thing where they're uh, either going to cut these two guys that are best friends or hire them. And they really said they made a conscious choice, like, let's not show any cuts. It's too horrible, and we look like dicks. So they just showed hiring these two guys, and it was really exciting, and it's just it's kind of like the movie Moneyball, if you've seen it. But it, you know, it's a happy ending, and it's real. <laughs> so that was cool. But the best part is this guy who loves taking everybody to Broadway shows took everybody, took most of the team, or a lot of the team, like, I don't know, 15 of the guys to see MJ, the Michael Jackson musical on Broadway, which is something I did not want to see. I do not like the jukebox musicals. It's so hilarious seeing Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson just and all these big guys going into the Broadway theater like everyone else. And then <laughs> I feel bad for the people sitting next to them. If you sit next to a huge guy and the, these seats that were made in the 1940s, it's a goddamn disaster. But they were so cute. Like they were so excited for the show. This one guy had seen it like three times already. He loves it. And they were enjoying themselves so much and bopping around. And then they show them going backstage afterwards or they're on stage whenever it is, which I've done before. And it's so cool to meet the, the cast after and have a little talk. And the guy who's playing Michael Jackson was showing him how to moonwalk. And it was really fun. Again, the Jets are so awesome that... If, if if everything works, I mean, if they just at least win more than they did last year, it'll be great. Otherwise, all this is going to suck, and I'm never going to want to remember it again. So it's like I have until September 11th to be really happy about what's going on with the Jets, and they love comedy and Broadway shows. It's a dream. If your team is like this, they just now have to win. And if they um, you know, just crap into the season, I'm, it's going to be so disappointing. But the one thing I came out of that show also enjoying was geez this michael jackson musical looks pretty good they apparently go through his whole life the guy was wearing the jackson five stuff then he was wearing the thriller stuff then he was wearing the black and white stuff and there's a guy playing michael jackson it looked it i love michael jackson i love his music it looked goddamn entertaining so i maybe i'll go see it i never thought i would see it but now i kind of want to Meanwhile, Back to the Future, the musical retweeted me and the Jets and Aaron Rodgers last week. So that's exciting. So, you know, all these big guys, can you imagine? Like, nobody, when you were in the theater, you're like, something's going on. Something's going on. These guys shouldn't be here. You know, you just don't see guys like that at a Broadway show usually. I just love that this one guy loves Broadway. He loves it. That's so cool. You love when people just kind of get into it in live theater. You just don't see it a lot in, just with sports people or big guys like that, you know? And speaking of sports, I don't know if you heard what happened yesterday at the U.S. Open with Coco Golf. Not her. It's not her part. It's uh, She's great, and maybe she'll win it all this year. It's really exciting. We'll know by tomorrow, which will be Saturday. 
there was a big protest. Well, not a big protest. A couple of douchebags in you know, the upper tiers, three of them, were protesting. It took 50 minutes. They had to go back inside and interrupt. The, the game didn't start. It was 50 minutes delayed. Oh, that makes sense of why when I came home and I was watching the second final, it was one in the morning they were still playing. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's what happened. I was wondering why they were playing so late, even though I knew about this and I just didn't piece it together. So they had to wait an hour for these three idiots who were yelling stuff, you know, who ruined everybody's good time that paid a lot of money for those tickets. They stood up and started screaming. You ready for this? About fossil fuel. And they're screaming, and they have to stop the game. They hadn't even started it yet. Or maybe they did. No, it was just a, like an interruption. Yeah, they did. They already uh, Coco had already won the first set. And can you imagine? You know, it's like, I mean, you treat it like a rain delay, I guess. But still, ugh. You know, you're still wondering what's going on. It makes you a little nervous. What are these people up to? So three of them are standing up. They won't sit down. They're annoying everybody. Everybody's really angry, obviously. Nobody, you don't want to be there until two in the morning. So they've just ruined everybody's good time. And one of the guys super glued his bare feet to the concrete. No, I am not kidding you. He super glued his feet to the, to the concrete. So that's why the ambulance had to come in and they had to figure out a way to take him out because he was stuck. And that's what took so long. It was easy to get the protesters out. I mean, they obviously had this way planned, and it's just scary as hell sometimes, even though they're just trying to send, I guess, what they think is a good message. But, you know, not a, you have to, you just gotta, there's gotta be another way to show your support over something. You know, why do you gotta ruin everybody else's good time? So this douchebag glued his feet. So they had to figure out a way, and you know everybody on the sports stage was like, "Why don't you just rip them out? Just rip them off? Why are they spending their time?" But that's not the way we do things here in this country, even in New York City. But that guy should have had his feet just ripped off, like they should have just pulled them and yanked them, so the paint comes off or whatever of wherever he was standing, or the con- I mean, it just should have ripped his feet off. I agree, that's what you get, but we don't do that here. Now, I don't know what they did. I don't know what the I don't know how they got him to leave. I don't know if they jackhammered the concrete. I mean, I don't know what they did. Maybe they have some sort of solvent. I don't even, I mean, I can't even imagine if the ambulance is right there that they have nail polish remover with them or whatever the hell on glue's feet. But what a couple of douchebags and interrupting this, uh, this these two girls that just want to like, you know, do this. They're, they're in their, they're, you know, they're having a moment. It's exciting. The crowd's into it. You got to wait an hour for a couple of douchebags. Oh, my goodness. It is always fun this time of the year at the U.S. Open. I got to say, it is a lot of fun knowing that it's live right over by Shea Stadium or Shea Stadium, City Field, that whole area. I'm so glad Alon took me that one time so I got to see how beautiful that park is. I can't believe they only use it two weeks out of the year. What a waste of time. But uh, the finals will be Saturday, and the men's are Sunday, and it's always so funny. It's so I don't know why they actually don't do it the opposite way. The women, you know, you're, I'm always watching the women's. I never watch the men's because, what, are they kidding? Four o'clock on a Sunday during football season? Go fuck yourself. What, are you out of your goddamn mind? I'm going to watch the finals in tennis on a Sunday? Why don't they do it on Monday? 
do it, you know, do it at five o'clock on a Monday. That way, uh, which they've done before when there's been a rain delay. Because in fact, didn't it happen when the Mets won the World Series? Or, uh, no, no, I can't. That was something else. But I remember the. Oh no, no, that was a different Monday, right? Because I've always had this thing in my head. It was 1990. It was the Giants had just won the Super Bowl, so it was 91. I can remember this so vividly, and I had a girlfriend. I know. No, is this on? No, you heard me right. And uh, I remember hanging out at her house, and Jimmy Connors was still around. He was having a comeback. Yeah, yeah. And I went to see the opening Giants 49ers game at the Meadowlands. That was a really good fall time. That was the opening day, right? Yeah. It must have been right after Labor Day, or it was Labor Day, because it couldn't have been the finals. Maybe it was the final. I don't remember. I just remember going to that game, and the Giants won, and I went with my friend Chris Donahue. God, I can remember it so vividly. It's really weird. It was 1991. What is that, 40 years ago or something? Jesus. Jesus Christ. You believe that, right? So long ago, and yet I can remember. It's this time of the year, man. I love it. Because you got tennis, you got baseball, you got football. It's exciting. My classes. It's pretty cool. And that's the other thing, right? I'm still going to L.A. during the class. It's so funny. I mean, I have nothing but time. You know, my class is only eight weeks. The semester is 16 weeks. Why couldn't I go at the end of October? It's just not the way it's going to work out. I guess I'm excited, but of course, now I can't stop thinking. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to travel. I have to go to a plane. I got to do all this. I got to do that. Bada boom, bada bing. I got to you. No love the Ivy League suit. Now, right now, as I leave you, my plan is to get a haircut, which I desperately need, and then go see this girl who calls me all the time and wants to hang out. And I find it was like, all right, let's do it. And she has, you're not going to believe this. And I don't know whether it's going to work out. And I don't know whether she was just drunk when she said it, but I'm going down to Gramercy Park. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard about this. And I'll, obviously, I'll tell you about this next week. But Gramercy Park in New York City, around where Rick Ocasek used to live, is a park. There's a park in the middle. And you have to have a key a legendary key to get into the park. And only the people that live around the park have this magical key. Well, this girl has that key. And I said, wait, you have a key? So I think she's taking me to the park today. I don't know. And the other thing she might do, but I'm not sure how to dress for it because it's so hot outside, so maybe we have to wait a week, is to go to the this National Center of the Arts or something in Gramercy and the only reason I want to go there, because it's like a snooty club where I'm surprised they even let Jewish people in, but it's in New York City. Uh, I thought it would be restricted. Is because they filmed Manhattan Murder Mysteries there, the Woody Allen movie, and Alan Alda and Diane Keaton are in that place in the movie. So I need to go to that place so I can take the exact picture of them sitting there and then show you on the Boney Show the scene from Manhattan Murder Mysteries that I will be the Alan Alda character. This is fantastic. So hopefully that's going to happen today. I don't know. I may call and say, can we do it next week? Because I can't, I'm not wearing a collared shirt today. It's 90 degrees. Have mercy, John, please. It's hot as hell in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Now I'm doing my uh, William Shatner. But anyway, that's our show for this week. So hopefully already working on stuff for next week. Oh, Next week, I will be, I think, taping, I'll think I'll be at Beth's house for the Jewish holidays. So I think we'll do a, a Beth, Dory, and um, Just Gow in the City podcast. 
at their house, maybe. Then I think everybody is okay with that, right? So uh, that would be that would be our next show. That's right, right. So uh, okay, well, whatever. Uh, that's the story. I hope everybody has a great week. Billy Joel A to Z this week. We got a little Paul Lauren action again. A nylon, uh, one of three nylon curtain wrap-up album shows. And obviously the Tuesday show tonight on September 12th, which we will again be doing virtually. Perhaps we'll ask our good friend Molly Heckerling to join us this week. Maybe actually Sarah Silverman, who was supposed to join us last week but was seeing a screening of her new movie, but it got canceled because of the writer's strike, whatever that means. Anyway, lots to see on the horizon, lots of fun to be had. Everybody loves Just Gal in the City, and I'll see you next week, everybody. Good night.